chapters are there in Bhagavad Gita? 18. Now these chapters are generally have been decided, divided into three different sections. The first section is dealing with Karma Kanda, Karma Yoga. The second aspect is dealing with Bhakti, second six. And the third six are dealing with now people sometimes mistake that the progression is like that. After karma is bhakti and the highest is jnana. But our understanding or real understanding is different. Real understanding is the karma and jnana and in the middle is bhakti. Just like the most precious thing is kept at the end or at the beginning or in the middle. Like the most, say, all your money, do, do you keep it on your doorstep? <laughs> or you keep it in a safe inside the house? The most precious gem in a locket, where is, where is it placed? in the middle. So this is how bhakti is kept in the middle because it is the most precious aspect of Bhagavad Gita. And karma is again this morning we briefly discussed. The karma yoga we find in two ways. One is the material aspect of karma like we're getting facilities from, say, nature and we are responding by giving some return. Like you get some facilities and you pay the bill. When you get some facilities, do you have to pay something for that? 
If you don't pay, can you expect that it will continue? No. Therefore, the facilities needs return. So that is the first aspect of karma. But then it is going to that return should be for whom? To Krishna. With the understanding that, okay, initially, actually that's how it looks like in the Vedas. The Vedas initially is offering those sacrifices and everything to the demigods. Sacrifices in Rig Veda, Rig Mantras are actually pleasing the demigods. But the higher understanding is that the demigods are representatives of Krishna. And what they are receiving, they are offering it to Krishna. Just like an agent, what does the agent do? Agent collects on behalf of the principal, but then does the agent enjoy that? No. He gives it to the principal and the principal gives him his remuneration or his share. Like for example, in London, uh, there is, say, there is a a showroom or agent of Mercedes-Benz. So you want to buy a Mercedes-Benz. The company is in Germany, but in London they have their agent. So what the agent is doing? They're delivering the goods and collecting the payment. Now when he gets the payment, what does he do? Does he keep it for himself? Or does he? Does he gives it, passes it on to the account of Mercedes-Benz? And Mercedes-Benz then gives him his commission. So similarly, the demigods are actually the agents of Krishna. The first day also, you remember that I mentioned about this, that one major problem of Hinduism today is that there is no understanding who are the devtas and who is Bhagavan? They lumped everybody together. And as a result of that, there's a big confusion. <coughs> Actually, although Hinduism is the most scientific spiritual understanding, but the Hindus are most confused today. Like a simple consideration, just you know, neutrally, uh, from a neutral position, you try to judge these things. The Muslims have the Quran. The Christians have their Bibles. The Jews have their Torah. But what do the Hindus have? Do the Hindus have any loyalty or allegiance to any scripture as such? Although Bhagavad Gita is giving such a profound understanding, compared to Bhagavad Gita's wisdom, Quran and Bible is just like ABCD. But we are not taking advantage of that. I remember I used to see in the Hindu houses, they they used to have Bhagavad Gita. But how they used to keep Bhagavad Gita? I don't know how they do. Maybe after Iskand's influence things have changed. But those days I used to see, they used to wrap Bhagavad Gita with a red cloth and keep it in the altar. Never opened it. (laughs) Bhagavad Gita (laughs) Bhagavad So, I mean, in a way they have the highest spiritual wisdom, but they are not taking advantage of it. But at the same time, they have the samskar, that is there. And that's why Hindus are considered to be the most peaceful people. That is recognized all over. Like UK, the government is admitting that. They're seeing the Muslims and they're seeing the Hindus. And this is the vast difference between them. And that's why they want the Hinduism to spread. And the Hindu teachings to spread. That's why our school is getting such a good, such an amazing favor from the government. Because they're seeing that it's benefiting people. 
and their nature, although they didn't delve into the Hindu culture in proper way, the Vedic culture, but still their nature is so gentle. So that is called sanskar. By sanskar they are so advanced. Now what to speak of when they take advantage of this wisdom? And that is why it's so important that the Bhagavad Gita is studied properly, understood properly, and applied in one's life properly. So, <clears throat> so this is how Bhagavad Gita is giving us the understanding. Who are the demigods, devtas? Krishna's agents. And who is Krishna? The supreme proprietor, supreme controller. Ishwaraha, Parama, Krishna. And is Krishna a material person? No. Is Krishna as a uh, historic uh, personality? No. Satchidananda Vigraha. His form is not mundane. His form is not made of earth, water, fire, and ether. His form is Sat Chit Ananda Vigraha. Anadiradir Govinda. He is the, the, he is the origin of the uh, origin. He is the end of the end. He is the beginning of the beginning. Anadi Radhi, Govinda. He is Govinda. Sarva Karana Karanam. He is the cause of all causes. Like sometimes it may be considered, well, somebody may think uh, that, well, Indra is the greatest. But then when he goes, deep into that top understanding, he'll say, no, above Indra is Brahma. Then he may think that Brahma is the greatest. Then he gets to see that Lord Shiva is even greater than Brahma. Because Brahma is a Jiva Tattva. Lord Shiva is an incarnation of the Lord. Shiva Tattva. And then beyond that is Narayana. And Narayana also is not the end. Narayana is an expansion of Krishna. So who is the cause of all causes? He is the cause of all causes, but he doesn't have any cause. Krishna doesn't have, you can't go beyond Krishna. He is the dead end. Um, the ultimate consideration. Anadiradir Govinda Sarvakaranakarana. So that is how uh, Bhagavad Gita is giving us the knowledge. And then what is Bhagavad Gita's? Uh, Bhagavad Gita in this way giving us all the profound scientific understanding of the spiritual reality. Like if we consider it's, it, that the spiritual understanding is a common sense matter. It's a matter of common sense. Common sense in the sense, like if we look at this room, there are many objects. This is an object, right? Is this alive or inert? Inert. This seat, this floor, this pillar, this table, this room, this building, you. Are you inert? No. So, okay. Your body is made of matter. Matter is inert. Then how come your body is not inert? So this is not a common sense consideration. Huh? Matter is inert. This body is made of matter. It should be inert. But why is it alive? What is the answer? Because of the presence of the soul. 
Now the consideration is, should you try to understand what the soul is? Now, how do you understand something? Do you speculate and understand something? Huh? Or do you study and get to know about that? Huh? Knowledge is a matter of information. Did you know that there is an island called Is? Three years back? Huh? But today do you know? Why? Because you came here and you saw it, before that you saw the geography, <laughs> map, uh, atlas, okay now you have Google <laughs> and <laughs> you got to know about that place. Uh, and then you came here and you got to see this place. So similarly, when you want to know something, you have to have informations and informations are available in books, right? But the, are the books enough to understand the subject? You need a teacher. So when you study the books under the qualified teacher, you get to, uh, you, get, you master that subject. So you all have studied different subjects you can consider. Well, we can even go back. How did you learn A, B, C, D? Did you learn A, B, C, D? Is there anyone who learned A, B, C, D on his own? Huh? What happened? No. No, why don't you say it? <laughs> so A, B, C, D also you did learn on your own. Somebody had to, your mother or your teacher had to say, this is A, this is B. Huh? And did you question at that time? No, no, no. I don't believe you. <laughs> could you say that? And if you did that, could you learn it? No. no. So you have to accept the authority of the teacher. So teacher uh, is a person who knows the subject and a student has to accept the authority of the teacher. And then one studies the subject, understands the subject, learns the subject. And in course of time, that knowledge becomes verified. Like we may have accepted A is A and B is B with faith at the beginning, but when you grew up, when you started to read books, hasn't been proven that A is A and B is B and C is C. So similarly, real knowledge in course of time becomes verified. So, uh, knowledge about the souls are available in the scriptures. And when we study the scriptures under the qualified teacher, then the knowledge becomes established. Like uh, here we have now, if we want to study about the soul, then what do we have to do? We have to find the right book and we have to find the right teacher. We don't have also, we don't describe the, we don't prescribe the books ourselves. We don't get the book ourselves and then go to the teacher. Teacher actually, or the school actually, gives us the, the prescription or syllabus. So you get these books and study these books under the teacher. So that is the way to receive knowledge. Like sometimes you come across people, they just give their uh, uh, statement. Well, I don't believe it. Uh, I don't believe in soul. I don't believe in God. And the, my question is, before you say you didn't believe, did you ever try to understand the subject? If I go to a physicist and say, I don't believe in physics, will it be proper? Like first I have to, I myself have to see whether this subject exists, whether it is a science called physics. And then I have, the, I have to study. 
and then I can give my comments, whether I accept it or not. But without any making, without making any effort, if we make our conclusion, I don't believe. And that conclusion is something like a blind man says, sun doesn't exist. Now, does it affect the sun if a blind man says sun doesn't exist? Or does it even affect the people with eyes? They'll say, oh, poor guy, he doesn't have the eyes to see. And that is the attitude of the devotees towards those who don't want to accept Krishna. Poor characters, poor people, unfortunate souls. Because they don't know what they're missing out. Like if there is somebody who is our supreme well-wisher, who is taking care of us in all respects, if we don't accept him, then who is the loser? And we are seeing uh, from uh, our discussions with uh, this Krishna Kathamrita that how Krishna benefits even the demons. Then what to speak of those who surrender unto him, serve him with heartfelt love and devotion. So that is the important consideration. And Bhagavad Gita step by step is giving that understanding. Like if we are approaching, uh, everybody wants to enjoy. Now Bhagavad Gita is giving the secret of how to enjoy. How to enjoy? Okay, you are getting the facilities, so pay the tax. You are getting electricity supply, you are getting water supply, you are having roadway system, you have, so you pay tax. For what is the facilities that you are getting, you pay tax. So this is the way to enjoy. But then the higher stage of enjoyment or or this arrangement is paid directly to Krishna. Don't have to pay to the demigods because they are the agents. You have access, direct access to Krishna. And even if you pay to the demigods, give it to them with the understanding that they are Krishna's agents. That's the difference between demigod worship and becoming a devotee of Krishna. Giving to the demigods is not the appropriate approach. Why we are giving to the demigods? Because they are Krishna saying that those who are worshipping demigods for some material benefits by fulfilling their desires, the demigods give them those fulfillment of desires with my approval. With Krishna's approval, the demigods actually sanction. Then why should you go through the medium of the demigods when you have access to the Supreme Personality of Godhead? So this is how we are getting a step higher. If you want to enjoy, <coughs> approach Krishna. Because he is granting all your desires. Who is fulfilling your desires? And then <coughs> there is uh, there are other considerations. There is a consideration of liberation or achieving mystic power, yoga. And ultimately, the yoga means to be connected to Krishna. And what is the best way to become connected to Krishna? Uh, there is a process of Ashtanga Yoga. Uh, there are eight limbs of this yoga process, dhana yoga, meditating upon Krishna in the heart. Uh, but um, Krishna is saying uh, at the end of the sixth chapter, that means at the end of the karma yoga uh, section, among all the yogis, one who renders devotional service unto me with love, he has to be understood to be most intimately connected to me. Yoginam opi sarvesham madgatenan taratmanaha shraddhavan bhajyote jo maam 
Swami Yukta Tamamata. Among all the yogis, one who is most, one who is rendering devotional service unto me, he is most intimately connected to me. And then, uh, Karma Yoga ends. Uh, what is the seventh chapter? The beginning of devotion. And in that chapter, Krishna is telling Arjuna, Arjuna, now I'll give you the knowledge. By not getting this knowledge, you will become free from all auspiciousness. And that is bhakti. And gradually he is establishing what is bhakti. Uh, out of uh, the six chapters, he is coming to the ninth chapter, the Raja Vidya. The king of knowledge. The king of knowledge, the ninth chapter. And what is the king of knowledge? The king of knowledge is devotion to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Surrender unto Him and offer your service unto Him with love and devotion. So we can consider a few important verses from these chapters. Let us see. And then we'll come to the 10th chapter where we get the essence of Bhagavad Gita. I'll just read the the, uh, English translation. The first verse of the seventh chapter, Krishna is saying, the Supreme Personality of God has said, Now hear, O son of Pritha, how by practicing yoga in full consciousness of me, with mind attached to me, you can know me in full, free from doubt. So here we can see how aptly Prabhupada used the expression Krishna Consciousness. Consciousness, how does the consciousness flow? What is the medium through which our consciousness is flowing? Very good. Mind. Now, Krishna is telling that with your mind you think of me. Maya Sapta Manapartha. Maya Sapta, being attached to me with your mind. Practicing yoga in full consciousness of me, with mind attached to me. You can know me in full. Yoganjanjan Madashaya. Asamshayam Samag Samagramam. Samagram is complete. You'll understand me fully well. Asamshayam, there should be any doubt about that. I shall I shall now declare unto you in full this knowledge both phenomenal and luminous. This being known, nothing further shall remain for you to know. So Gyanam and Vigyanam. Knowledge and realized knowledge. And Prabhupada translated them as phenomenal knowledge and numinous knowledge. But then Krishna is telling, this is a very important thing to consider. Manushyanam sahasreshu out of thousands of people, rarely one aspire for spiritual knowledge. And out of those who aspire for spiritual knowledge, rarely one achieve perfection. And among those perfected ones, it is difficult to find one who 
knows only truth. So this is how rare this knowledge is. But to us this knowledge has become available. So now Krishna is actually in this, is giving the essence of Sankha Yoga. Sankha Yoga is the analytical study. The analytical study, uh, Sankhya analyzes in 24 considerations this material nature. It's a very extensive subject, very interesting subject. Like it says that there are five elements. What are the five elements? Bhumi, Rapo, Analo, Bayu, Kham, Mano, Buddhi, Evaj. I'm sorry, five is earth, water, fire, air, ether. And beyond that, there are three subtle elements. But Sankha actually analyzes in another way. Five elements earth, water, fire, air, ether. We have five senses. Those senses interact with the elements of nature. And as a result of that, five objects of the senses are generated. Uh, like ear interacts with ether, sound is produced. Skin interacts with air, touch is produced. Eyes interact with fire, form is produced. Tongue interacts with water, taste is produced. And nose interacts, nose interacts with earth, smell is produced. So in this way, sound, touch, form, taste and smell. Five objects of the senses are generated. Then there are five working senses, hands, speech, belly, anus, and genitals. So, five fours are twenty. But then they consider there are three elements, earth, I mean, mind, intelligence, and false ego, three subtle elements, twenty-three. Then Mahatattva, the basic ingredients, ingredients for entire creation, twenty-four. So with this 24 consideration, they analyze the entire material nature. But then they consider that beyond these 24, there are, uh, these, all these 24 are objective in nature. But can the object exist by itself? The object needs a subject. So who is the subject? I am the subject. All of us have our I and that is experiencing this reality. So who is that I? The soul. So now the whole entire material nature had been analyzed with this 24 consideration but the soul couldn't be found. So soul is beyond matter. So in this way they are transcending the material nature and coming to the spiritual reality. And then they consider the souls are many and minute. Therefore it must have an origin. So that origin is the Supreme Soul or the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So this is how see how they transcend the material nature come to the spiritual reality, establish the existence of the soul and establish the existence of God. That is the real aspect of Sankhya. Now see, here Krishna is analyzing this whole thing in just two verses. Bhumi rapo analo bhayu khang mano buddhi devacha ahankara ityangme binna prakriti rashtata so earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence and false ego with these eight elements, 
Ashtadha bhinna prakriti. This separated energy of mind. So that is, separated is the objective reality. Object. Separated. But then he is saying, aparayamitastanna. This is the inferior nature of mind. Beyond that, there is my superior nature and the living entity that are coming from there. Isn't the same conclusion, same thing saying? Huh? When Sankara, vast, elaborate subject, analyzing everything in such a way, huh? the conclusion they're coming to, Krishna is making, coming, making that conclusion in just these four lines. So in this way, Krishna establishing huh, the nature of the spirit soul and how they are coming from the superior reality. Then Krishna is making that supreme point. Huh? If, we, if we consider the supreme like this morning also, that point came up, the Supreme being one. Uh, uh, so, because the Supreme cannot have anything superior to that. The definition of Supreme is, in Sanskrit, the definition of Supreme is Asamordha. Asama means non is equal to him. And Urdha means superior. Isn't that the simple definition of Supreme? No one is equal to him and no one superior to him. Uh, so Krishna is making that point here. There is nothing superior to me. Bas. <laughs> so he is establishing his identity. I am the Supreme means there is no one superior to me. Matta and I am actually sustaining this material nature. Mai sarvam idam protam sutre manigana eva. Just as uh, uh, the jewels are strung through a thread in a necklace. This is how everything is maintained by me. What is holding the necklace together? All the jewels together? Who is holding everything together? Krishna. 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 Sutre Manigana Eva. Matta Okay, then Krishna is telling how to experience him. Rasoham Apsukonteya. I am the taste of Prabhupada is making that point very nicely. That how easy it is to experience, is to feel Krishna's presence. It's not that we have to see Krishna with our eyes. To begin with, if we try that, then we'll fail because we don't have the right kind of eyes to see it. When you don't have the eyes, proper eyes to see, how can we see him? But there's another way of experiencing see him. Krishna himself is saying, I am the taste of water. So when you drink water, can't you experience Krishna? That the taste of the water is Krishna. How many glasses of water do we drink every day? <laughs> and that many times we can experience Krishna. Prabhasmi shashishul jaya. I'm sure you all are experiencing here the rising of the sun from darkness. So we get up in the morning, of course now it's summer still, uh, the sun comes up early, but still when you get up around 2.30, 3 o'clock, everything is dark. Everything is dark everywhere. But then the sun rises, the whole place becomes lit up. So who is the light of the sun? Who is the light of the moon? Sashi Surjaya. Prabhasmi Sashi Surjaya. 
Even now we can experience. Who is this light? Krishna. So we don't have to see Krishna. We don't have to try to see Krishna with our defective eyes. But we can see Krishna in a proper way. This is the way to see Krishna. This light is Krishna. The light of the sun is Krishna. <clears throat> Jivanam Sarva Bhuteshu is the life of all living entities. When I see you all alive, living being, that life is Krishna. <laughs> so in this way, uh, Krishna is making us aware how we can see And in this way he goes on explaining about his identity. So see how, how wonderful this Bhagavad Gita is, isn't it? I am the Oritva, Punna Gandha Prithipvancha, Tejas Chasmi Bibhavaso. I am the original fragrance of the earth. Especially when it rains, now the whole place has become so uh, still. Actually, this one, one thing we notice with this, uh, the way we are torturing the earth planet, the earth is withdrawing her mercy. Like one of the thing of the earth is actually fragrance. Like I remember uh, when I was young, the roses used to have such beautiful fragrance. Lotuses used to have some beautiful fragrance. But do you see the fragrance? Do you see? Here is a rose. Beautiful looking, but no fragrance. Like, this is how earth is actually withdrawing her gifts. No fragrance anymore. Some flowers still have some fragrance, like jasmine and uh, uh, frangipani, gardenia. But I don't know for how long they last. Prabhupada once said one thing, that one Krishna, uh, whatever Krishna gives is all very wonderful. But the moment a man puts his hand in it, he spoils everything. Krishna gave us everything so wonderfully. But the moment man interferes, the more he interferes, the more he ruins it. Well, I'll just, huh, I'll go to those, huh, uh, the, the main four verses, as I mentioned. These four verses, 8, 9, 10, and 11 of Bhagavad Gita, 10th chapter, is considered to be the essence of the Bhagavad So the eighth verse goes like Aham Sarvasa Prabhubo Matta Sarvam Pravartate Eating. Yes, go ahead. Very good. Very good. Aham Sarvasa Prabhubo. I am the source of all spiritual and material world. Sarvasya. Sarvasya means material as well as spiritual. Krishna is the source of all that is material and spiritual. And matta sarvan pravartati, everything emanates from me. I am the source of everything and everything emanates from me. Iti matva bhajante maam. Knowing that one who bhajante render becomes my devotee and renders service unto me, Buddha Bhava Samanita. He is properly, he is, he is to, it's to be understand that he is perfectly situated in knowledge. 
Prabhupada mentioned, the wives who perfectly know this, engage in my devotional service and worship me with all their hearts. Then, Tesham thoughts of my pure devotee dwell in me. Their lives are fully devoted to my service. And they desire great and they derive great satisfaction and bliss from always enlightening one another and conversing about me. So that is the identity of a devotee. The nature of a pure devotee is his thoughts are always, his mind is always absorbed in thoughts of Krishna. The thoughts of my pure devotees dwell in me. <coughs> Their lives are fully devoted to my service. And they derive great satisfaction and bliss from always enlightening one another and conversing about me. So then the next one. Tesham satata yuktanam bhajatam priti purvakam Very good. To those who are constantly devoted to serving me with love, I give the understanding by which they can come to me. Tesham evanukam partham Very good. <coughs> to show them special mercy, I, dwelling in their hearts, destroy with the shining lamp of knowledge the darkness born of ignorance. So these four verses, I'm very happy to see that most of you have memorized these verses. So consider that this is the essential understanding of Bhagavad Gita. Actually, every verse of Bhagavad Gita is giving us absolute knowledge. Like, if we can understand one verse properly, doesn't matter which one. If we understand, then we'll see even the first verse, Dharma Kshetra Kurukshetra. If we understand that particular one, the why there is this emphatic expression, Dharma Prabhupada is pointing out the special characteristic of Dharma Kshetra is that when you do something pious, the result is multiplied by thousand times. And when you do something sinful, the result also will be multiplied by thousand times. So here, uh, that verse is forecasting the future of the Kauravas and Pandavas. Pandavas are pious, and their pious activities will have uh, their their piety multiplied by many times, whereas Durjatan is sinful. So in the Dharmakshetra, the battle is taking place. Obviously, the result will be there, which means Duryodhana is going to lose. So just that understanding is so profound. Uh, If we act in a right way, the result will be uh, auspicious. But if we act in a wrong way, we have to be prepared to get that result also. Okay, so the point is, Bhagavad Gita, or these discussions about Krishna, is simply to generate the interest in you so that you read 
these scriptures carefully. Will you do that? Uh, regularly read uh, Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam and you'll see how wonderful it is. Did you like the stories? If I can, if I may say that, stories. Uh, these narrations, these descriptions of Krishna's wonderful activities. And now when you study them yourself, when you read them yourself, you'll see that they'll come in such profound and enlivening realizations. So please read those scriptures. Find some time every day to read them. I know all of you are very busy, but still find some time. And the best time is actually early morning. So try to get up early morning. And the secret behind waking up early? Right. Go to bed early. Like you'll notice, I mean, going to bed early, you wake up so early. And you feel so fresh. According to Ayurveda, one hour sleep before midnight equals to two hours sleep after midnight. <clears throat> you will notice you go to bed at nine o'clock, you wake up at two o'clock, you feel so fresh. You go to one, bed at one o'clock and get up at eleven o'clock, you'll feel groggy, as if you haven't really slept properly. So why unnecessarily stay up? There is no need to stay up so, so, uh, so late. And don't eat at night. Try to finish your supper before sunset. <laughs> anyway, these are some tips <laughs> towards healthy living. We know that. Early to bed? How many of you learned this line when you were a child? <laughs> yes, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man? Yes, healthy, the first attribute, first reward. Wealthy, who doesn't want it? And wise, the crest jewel of all knowing. So anyway, please go to bed early, get up early, and you'll see how you have so much time. In the early hours you chant your rounds, just will fly. So quickly your rounds will be finished. And then you have the time keep your phone call away, phone, phone, mobile phone away, keep your computer away. <laughs> I'm saying it because that's my problem. <laughs> because sometimes uh, I have to deal with different other different countries. Uh, so the best time to call is sometimes when it's two o'clock my time here. Anyway, so I hope you have benefited from this program. So does anybody have any question? Yes, Mukundari. Thank you very, very much for such a wonderful seminar. Uh, today we, we discussed a little bit about Mahatatwa. I just wanted to, this is a very short question really, uh, we also hear the term Pradhana. So what is the difference between the two? It's very subtle difference. In simple words it can be put it this way. When you look at it from that perspective, then it's Pradhana. When you look at it from this perspective, it's Mahatatwa. 
Thank you again for a wonderful class and for reviewing the Bhagavad Gita for us. Um, I wanted to ask about Bhishmadev within the Bhagavad Gita. Being one of the 12 Mahajans, he understood the position of Krishna, yet he fought against him. Could you comment on how he performed that role, knowing the, uh, knowing the position of Okay, Krishna? good point, good question. So that can be answered through one incident, one anecdote. You see, when Bhishma was lying on the bed of arrows, then he was giving advice to Yudhishthir Maharaj. So, Bhishma noticed that there was a trifle smile in Draupadi's face. So Bhishma asked Draupadi, why are you smiling? Draupadi said, where was your wisdom when they were disrobing me in the assembly. Mm. Then Bhishma said that actually because I was eating Durjatan's food at that time, mm. my consciousness became contaminated. Mm. But now all that bad blood has been drained out of my body. Mm. Now my consciousness became purified. So this is the effect of bad association. Eating wrong food, you know, it carries the effect of that through the food, through the salt. Uh. Yes, Dayal <laughs> Gauranga. Harikus Maharaj, it's very inter interesting topic about Bhagavad Gita. Some people believe <coughs> That the Supreme Personality of in the Bible, sorry, the Bhagavad Gita said that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is Lord Krishna. But in South India, they strongly believe that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is Lord Narayan. He said that the evidence is in Sima Bhagavatam. I've been discussed with some some people from South India and explained that actually it's Lord Krishna. But they have a very strong belief. Yeah, so the point is, in South India they think Narayan is the Supreme, yes. whereas we think that Krishna is the Supreme. Yeah, that's right. right? You see, again, we have to go back to the scriptures. Sure, that's why Srimad Bhagavatam, at the beginning, different incarnations have been explained. And then what it is said, that all these incarnations are Krishna's expansion. And Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Ete Changsha Kala Pungsha Krishna Stu Bhagavan All these ex incarnations are his expansions. But Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Similarly, Brahma Samhita, Brahma Samhita is explaining very clearly, Ramadi Murti Shukala Niyamena Tishtan. These Ram, Nishinga, Varaha, Kurma, they are all his expansions. Nana Abhutaram Akarod Bhubaneshu. In this Universe, Krishna manifested in various incarnations. Kintu Krishna Swayam Samabhavat Paramah Pumanju. But Krishna is the original Supreme Personality of Godhead. So the point is, they haven't been fortunate enough to be exposed to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching. That's why they didn't understand that Krishna is the original Supreme Personality of Godhead. Okay. Thank you, Mahadas. Hare Krishna. Okay, so, yes. 
Pranam Maharaj, once again. Hare Krishna. It's been very enlightening to listen to your classes. Uh, I think you asked or you answered my earlier question about the seat of Atma, soul, is in the heart. What about Paramatma? Also, also in the heart, with the soul. Okay. Uh, that in the it, it has been described in this way in Upanishad that in the same tree there are two birds. Mm-hmm. One bird is eating the fruits of the tree, and the other bird is watching. So what is the tree? The tree is the body. In the body of the tree, the two birds are the Jivatma and Paramatma. Jivatma is eating the fruits of the tree, Mm -hmm. uh, the fruits of the actions of the body. But Paramatma is not eating, he is simply watching the witness. Thank you. Thank you. Hare Krishna.